you have to have a digital mindset and you have to have kind of a very innovative, creative spirit. Um, we like to test things, even if we fail. It's an exciting place to be, I think, for public media. It's not your mom's PBS anymore. You know, we're everywhere and we're pushing the, the boundaries on um, the types of content we're putting out there. Select CT. Hello, Earth citizens. This is the Select CT podcast coming to you from my bedroom studio in East Hampton, Connecticut, and edited in another studio in Connecticut, uploaded to the internet where you have found us. And that is Digital Media Today, and that's what this podcast is all about. I'm David DeRoche. I run the podcast program at Quinnipiac University. Select CT is a production of Digital Media CT in partnership with Quinnipiac, the University of Connecticut, and the Connecticut Office of Film, Television, and Digital Media. Now, I might have to apologize in advance of today's episode because you might hear me geek out on some of my favorite things to talk about because today we're talking about public media. I spent about five years as a journalist at WNPR, now Connecticut Public, and it was an incredible experience. Joining us today are Lauren Komrowski and Jake Volschko. Lauren is Vice President for the Data and Digital Services Bureau at Connecticut Public, and Jake is their Chief Digital Officer. Lauren and Jake, welcome to Select CT. Hello. Great to be here, Dave. Great to have you guys both on. So as I said in the intro, public radio is truly near and dear to my heart. And so thank you for what you guys do. I believe public media is a public service. And Jake, one of the things that public media has been struggling with for a couple of years now is getting a younger audience. Now, our audience are younger folks just joining the, their digital media careers, uh, you know, looking in Connecticut to stay here and, and start something here. Uh, so I'm wondering, you know, that's been on Connecticut's public's radar for a while now. And so I'm wondering, you guys have made a lot of strides in the digital media uh, realm to sort of address that. And so make a case for public media here. Why should young people who are entering a digital media career think about a career in public media? Yeah, um, I, I think if, if you're entering the digital media space and you're looking for a career and you want to be in, in say, media... Um, Public media, I think, is in a prime position to to really excel over the next ten years because of uh, what what I describe as the the incentives of the uh, of the revenue sources. Um, in public media, we don't have to adhere to kind of um, big advertisers. We we do sell underwriting and and we do. Uh, and we do have corporate support, but most the, the largest piece of our funding is from the members, is from people who give us direct payments. And when I think about incentives, that's the right incentive for a media organization. I want to be I want to be accountable to my members, to individuals of the state of Connecticut for for what we create, for the content that we produce, and all of that, as opposed to uh, a a a large advertiser who, you know, it's great to get those uh, big dollar advertising figures that you get in, in commercial media, but you, you do, you, the, the incentives aren't there. You're incentivized for eyeballs um, and, and lots more people as opposed to us where we're incentivized through engagement, through, uh, th through people and, um, and just quality content. And that's one of the things I loved about working there was that piece of it was that, you know, we as journalists would go on the air live and, and call out for contributions. And it's not like listeners had to give us money to listen. We were just seeking that contribution. And, and I know one of the things that you guys do really well is that community engagement piece. And Lauren, 
you have a pretty diverse career at Connecticut Public. I think you started out in one division, and then you you ran the Yup Network, which was literally that, right? In, interacting with with youth and community engagement piece of it. So I'm wondering, Lauren, can you tell me a little bit about that? Like, what are the pieces of the puzzle that exist um, w- within Connecticut Public that are sort of trying to expand what you guys do, reach new audiences, and and uh, actually reach new people who might want to come to Connecticut Public to do stuff that to do jobs that maybe they didn't think even existed. What sort of things are you guys doing? Yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah, I've been with the company about six years um, and did so kind of started with marketing and research, and then I did run this um, kind of community engagement engagement, excuse me, uh, digital content initiative with the, uh, called the Yup Network, where we kind of engaged with um, individuals, creative individuals. Um, specifically, we were working with um, creators of color um, to make sure that there was representation and that their voices were heard in, uh, behind the camera as well as in front of the camera. Um, I think what's exciting about public media too, just to add on to what Jake said, is that we are we started as a television station, terrestrial TV station. Um, and you know, we grew into having also a radio, terrestrial radio signal. And now we are kind of completely multi-platform, omni-platform, if you will. So, you know, we are watching and learning how people consume content, our content, what they want from us. And so we are actively ensuring that our content is distributed on our mobile app, on OTT, on smart speakers, on our website, um, basically anywhere that users are consuming content. <clears throat> which is consistently um, evolving. And so that's exciting. You know, that's really, that's, it's a constantly evolving, growing environment. And so it's exciting to be part of, to say, well, how can I not only just get this beautiful storytelling or this amazing piece of journalism story onto all these platforms, but how can I tell it in a way that it makes sense with that platform and with that audience? Um, and it's really, you have to have a digital mindset and you have to have, um, kind of a very innovative, creative spirit. Um, we like to, to test things even if we fail. Um, so I kind of, it, it's an exciting place to be, I think for, for, for public media. It's not, it's not your mom's PBS anymore. You know, we're, we're everywhere <laughs> and, and we're pushing the, 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 the boundaries on um, the types of content we're putting out there. And I want to dig into that a little bit because I feel like that piece of it is something that um, maybe a lot of listeners to this podcast might think when they think of PBS or NPR. If they if they know it, they probably think TV documentaries and radio reporting. But there, but again, there's to, to your point, there's a lot of things going on that are in addition to that. You know, taking these stories and repackaging them or putting them on different kinds of platforms. And in addition to that, there's also things going on behind the scenes, right? So it's not like all the digital media practitioners are doing the content. So I'm, I'm wondering if you could get a little bit more specific on those digital media skills that you guys are looking for that can support these these older models of journalism and storytelling, like these these radio stories and TV documentaries, but also create new models. What sort of skills are you guys looking for? I think uh, wh- what we're looking for are, are kind of a more diverse skill set. Uh, when, when I first started in media, which was uh, 20 years ago, um, everything was very, um, everything was very defined. You know, I had a very specific job that I did. Um, and, and over the years that's grown from, you know, when I started, I was a pure graphic designer. I designed ads for a newspaper. And then as, as time moved along, I started learning more and more and getting more jobs. So now you take a role like mine, um, I oversee a couple different areas, but all of them touch on digital. So when we're thinking about folks we're bringing in for digital, we're looking for 
not just writers, but um, uh, individuals who can who have technical skill sets. Do they know uh, even some basic HTML and CSS? Um, You know, we talked to somebody yesterday that uh, we're really excited about who who uh, her skill set. She's really an animator at heart, uh, but she also has some HTML uh, capability. So to bring in somebody who can animate and also do some coding, that's just such an exciting skill set for us to bring in, especially as public media. Um, And we're, we're also looking for, so website designers, uh, U, UI designers, UX designers, um, uh, SEO specialists. That's a big one. We're, uh, we're working on a few projects and, you know, I need some help in SEO. It's, it's an area we're looking at. And the big one, I'll let uh, Lauren talk a little bit more about this too, is uh, around data and analytics. Uh, and, and Lauren, I know that's really where you started in the Digital Services Bureau, but, you know, if you want to talk about those skill sets or other skill sets you see as well, I, I think that'd be uh, applicable. Sure. Yeah. So I think data analytics is uh, it's always been important, but it's so important now. Right. Because uh, we need to understand who is our audience, who who is not our audience and, and should be um, where they are, what they're consuming so that we can give them more of what they want, where they want it, when they want it. The environment right now is that content is everywhere. Everyone's a content creator. Um, and you're, you're so inundated with all these different media platforms that you really have to hone in on what your audiences want and need so you can dial in you know, the content, the programming, the, the, the experience um, and the usability that Jake just talked about on each of these um, devices and platforms. And we have grown over the years to really develop um, a muscle in which metrics we should be looking at, how we're looking at them. And the most important piece of it is what it, why is that important? What does that mean? What's the actionable insight that came out of that data to say, well, we should be focusing our efforts on this platform next. For example, you know, we're seeing a trend in um, smart speaker streaming opportunity, right? So that's helping us to say, well, we need a little bit of a priority over here to figure out what are our, you know, Amazon Alexa skills, for example. Um, And so we constantly look at the data and we constantly need people to help us look at the data because there's so much data available and we're on so many different platforms. You have to look at every single data set. So you have to really, uh, you need people that understand um, how to make sense of it and which are the most important metrics to be following. So inevitably, when we talk about data and stuff like that, I feel like some listeners might hear that word or data collection and data analytics and think, you know, what about my privacy rights, right? So, you know, increasingly, we become more aware that, you know, when we're online, that most of the things we're doing are being tracked in some sort of way. But also, there's a there's a growing uh, list of concerns from a population of people who just worry about that. Is that something you guys worry about? Do you worry about this these over collection of data and over analyzing this data that you tend to then hyper focus on on a segment of the population that might alienate other folks, or on the flip side of that, that it might um, that that people might just be worried that their data is being collected and being used in some sort of way that you know they don't necessarily like. I wonder if you guys can talk about that piece of it. Yeah, I think uh, that's a that's a really good uh, really good question. Um, for me, it's something that that I constantly think about. Um, you know, we right now we 
we use uh, everything is aggregated uh, with the exception of if you're a member, obviously we have uh, uh, we have your information there. Uh, but in, in terms of uh, just the data that we use for the web, the data that we use to kind of say, okay, this is kind of interesting content. This is what people are looking at. It's just, you know, things like page views. Uh, it's, it's a limited set. And, and one of the reasons we don't, uh, for example, uh, we don't buy um, demographic data and overlay that and, and do all those other things um, is because of our users' privacy, you know, um, and because of the way that, that we function and the incentives that I talked about earlier, um, there's no, a, a lot of media organizations who are buying that data and using it and tracking it to that degree are using it to sell advertising, but we don't sell advertising in that way. Uh, you know, we, so we don't have to, uh, we don't have to worry about it as much. We do track some data, um, again with our members, but you know, it's household data, uh, so that we can send, you know, we send reminders and things like that. Um, email data, um, all of the basics around that. Um, and anything we use that data for is is more to give a uh, the user a better experience. So, as an example, when we do pledge, if if you are a member with us uh, and you have an email address on file, you know when we're doing pledge, uh, we we send out uh, emails. Um, and I apologize for that, um, but. Um, what we've done is we're using that data to say, okay, if this individual has has donated during this period of time, let's take them out of the funnel. Um, and, and it's a, and it's all based off of when their last payment were made and different things like that, so that we're not just too overbearing and that we're not creating a negative experience for our users. So, um, you know, our our use there is limited. We're really looking at things in aggregate and trying to get some. Um, uh, get a feeling there. I will say too, we, while, when, when I first got here, I was talking a lot about, you know, we, we've got to be data driven. We've got to be data driven. And one of the coworkers here um, had a discussion with me about, are we data driven or are we data informed? And I, I thought that was a very poignant um, comment uh, she made in discussion that we have. And and I do tend to think that we, we were data informed because I think when you're working with journalists um, and you're working with content producers, I don't personally think that data will ever fully replace the knowledge that they have and the instincts that they have for, for good quality creative content. Um, so while, while it informs us and we derive wisdom from the data, it's, it's not the only thing that drives us. So that's a really good point. I feel like anybody who's going to be a practitioner of digital media probably is going to incorporate some form of data in the work that they do. And you mentioned before, you know, when you're looking for uh, um, new employees, you know, having a diverse skill set, you know, being good at one thing, but also knowing a little bit of HTML or coding and maybe knowing a little bit how to uh, analyze data. You know, I imagine all, um, all those skill sets could be valuable. And one thing I want to talk a little bit more about, we've already touched on this a little bit, is this is this sense of community 
that public media sort of embodies and it and it really is rooted in this in this pledge model right and this idea that the audience the listeners the people are the ones who pay the most for the programming through voluntary contributions like you're saying you don't necessarily have well, you don't have like commercials. You don't have like you know some guy you know is trying to sell you used Cadillac or something like that. Uh, you know you have this. You create the sense of community based on who feels like they own uh, the 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 uh, the organization, and that is that's regular folks. Um, and that model actually is being replicated on different media like podcasts through software like Patreon that allows listeners to donate whatever they like. Again, it's not a requirement. It's just an option. And to me, that piece of it seems like really interesting for the future of journalism when we're talking about how do we fund journalism moving forward as it's in the digital realm, because it seems like you know it, uh, a lot of organizations are still trying to figure that piece of it out. I'm wondering from the public media's perspective, do you guys feel like staying in this live TV, live radio pledge model is going to be the primary way you fundraise moving forward? Or do you see a more digitally centric a fundraising model moving forward? And when do you think that transition might take place? That is a, uh, <laughs> that too is an excellent question. And it's, it's very timely. We've, uh, you know, that's a discussion we've had. We know what's happening to over the air signals, OTA. Um, they continue to, uh, to drop uh, across the industry, not just in, in public media. Um, but so over the air radio, over the air television, um, that viewer viewership is going down. But what we know is viewership online, uh, listenership online, that is, uh, that is continuing to grow in the rate at which is starting to offset the decline that we're seeing in the over-the-air numbers. So for me, one of the areas that I oversee is membership. And we're working on a plan. Uh, we, we, we're working on a plan of execution of, okay, we got X amount of revenue from these pledge efforts in the past. How are we going to do that online? How are we going to do that digitally? Um, and we're, we, we did a, a, a reorg um, recently that, that tries, to, uh, tries to get at this. Uh, we, you know, we, have a, a customer, uh, we have a customer data platform that we're using now to help inform, inform this. Uh, and, and we, we hired a uh, online giving manager to, to help this as well. And it, it's an area that over the last year, we've actually grown, um, almost 50% in, in online giving, which is, which is tremendous. Um, and again, it's helping, awesome. yeah, it's helping to now offset those losses that you see in pledge. Cause you just, you know, we have a shrinking base of givers there. So for me personally, I see online giving is becoming the dominant um, force in in philanthropy, in in you know in pledge in in all of these different areas. Um, and I, I didn't talk about it when we were thinking about skill sets earlier, but even from a uh, in in public media, even from a financial background for for folks considering uh, careers in that. Um, that membership model that that is dealing that that is dealing with finding new members and bringing them in and trying to um, trying to optimize the funnel to to get them in from you know someone who likes us on Facebook all the way down through uh, an, an email newsletter and into becoming a, a, a sustaining member with us. 
that's another uh, area of opportunity that, you know, we didn't talk about earlier, but that I personally, uh, I, I firmly believe in it. And I think um, that's, that's where most stations will need to go if, if they want to continue to thrive. So Lauren, I want to ask you sort of how you translate that the digital audience engagement piece of it, uh, like trying to gain new audiences through uh, digital skills or um, outreach in, in, but you also have this on the ground presence or you, you, at least you were doing that with the Yup Network. And I'm wondering how those things merge. What sort of things are you guys doing that sort of uh, you marry the, the digital media piece of the engagement with sort of, I, I know, I, of course, we're in the pandemic. So those in real life, you know, uh, gatherings are probably limited. But what sort of things have you guys tried to do to, to at least um, mimic that in terms of Zoom meetings or events that are digital? What kind of things have you guys been doing? Sure. Yeah, uh, it has been a little tricky. Obviously, IRL things uh, over the past year or so um, with us kind of being in a pandemic and quarantined and not really able to come to events and big group gatherings. Uh, so we made the best of that and, and had some online engagements through some virtual events, that which we're definitely going to continue, if not ramp up going forward. We actually invested in a new digital platform to facilitate a really cool experience um, through virtual um, virtual events. And um, so we did a couple of things in, in, in over the year, like screenings where we had, um, you know, PBS, new PBS uh, content that was available to our audience that we wanted to share with them first and even have panelists kind of talk about it, engage with the audience through the virtual platform. Um, we've done some, you know, similarly, we've done some virtual events with our local content uh, and uh, brought in, um, uh, most recently we had Lucy Napathanchel lead a conversation with Aisha Roscoe. So we also had a uh, similar virtual event locally where we had Lucy Napathanchel lead a conversation with uh, Lisa Desjardins and Aisha Roscoe, um, some kind of big names in the kind of national oh, yeah. PBS NPR space, um, to talk about kind of um, how we're seeing things politically play out also locally. Um, so that was a really interesting kind of very engaging online event that we did uh, virtually as well. Uh, and like I said, we will continue to do those going into the next year. I think also just kind of our mindset around journalism and storytelling is more local focused. So how can we bring more local stories to life? How can we um, bring stories that are coming from the community, that are of the community, um, and those voices are helping to tell those stories um, and make sure that it's kind of covering all of the geography of the state because we are a statewide station um, and um, all of the, of the different experiences and ethnicities and races and, and things like that. So we're, we're taking a very hard look at the content to make sure it's very diversified, um, to make sure that our um, contributors are diverse, uh, to make sure that our storytelling is diverse. And um, we're, we're really excited about it because I think our, our content has gotten really um, it's expanded and it's gotten really more engaging and it's gotten really more relevant. And, um, I think we're going to do a lot more of that. I, I totally agree. You know, um, you know, the lineup now includes, you know, a lot of diverse voices. You have disrupted with Kalila Brown Dean, who is also a Quinnipiac professor and also one of my favorite people, Kyone Wolf has a show called Audacious. So you guys, have, and, and while I was there, there was a lot of effort to diversify the staff. 
so you're diversifying not just the step, but the types of stories you're telling. So I, I feel like that's a really big piece of this moving forward. And also while I was there, you know, I was given the freedom to work on a very long piece over a period of, of three years that I think came to fruition right as Jake was coming on board. And I remember that meeting that Jake sat in on, it was like 10 of us talking about this big project that I was doing about um, uh, deaf children and how they learn to speak or sign and that, that controversy. But the, the freedom that was given to me to sort of explore that and do a multimedia piece was, was pretty awesome. And I remember that being one of the, the, the positive memories I have there. So I think it just goes to show the, the, the sort of faith you guys have in your employees to explore different things, explore different media, and, and really tell great stories. So I want to ask each of you if you have any advice for, uh, for people just entering the digital media space that might want to get into um, public media. You know, what... What advice do you have for them who want to get into that space? What should they be doing now as, as, as they prepare to, to seek out career in public media? So I think the advice that I would give is if, if you're looking to enter public media, I wouldn't go in with the expectation that I'm only going to do um, this. I'm only going to be a producer. I'm only going to be a... Um, a host or whatever it is, I would go in with an open mind and say, you know, I'm going in, I'm joining this organization and I'm going to be a web editor, let's say, um, or I'm going to, I'm going to build websites, whatever it is, but keep an open mind and, and be willing to share your ideas, um, your, your vision for, your career and the station, because the thing that I've found in public media, especially for young employees, if, if, if you want to get in at the ground floor and grow, you can absolutely do that. There are opportunities here. Um, I, before I came to public media, I didn't think about it as, as a place to grow my career. Like I have, um, it was just, I came for the mission. I love the mission of public media, but I've seen the opportunities that it can provide. Um, you know, there are, I'm not even sure how many stations there are. We're a dual licensee station, but you have single, single licensee that are either radio or TV and other dual licensees. So there's opportunities all over the country. Um, so whether it's in Connecticut or, um, or, Hawaii or Alabama or wherever, there are opportunities to grow here or, you know, start to grow here and sprout somewhere else. Um, and the, the network is so strong and the people in public media, once you say you're in public media, it's, it's, you know, there's, there's an instant, uh, admiration. There's an instant, uh, instant love that is there and that is shared. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, absolutely. No, I think that's such a good a good part of it is that community piece of it is that the different uh, just the difference in style and approach and yeah all that stuff. I think it's is is great and I think it should be attractive to young folks. Yeah, uh, Lauren, what do you think? What can you tell us about or can you tell uh, upcoming graduates who want to get into uh, public media? Sure, a couple things. I would say first and foremost, consume it. Uh, you know, watch us, listen to us, um, interact on our, you know, our mobile app, our newsletters and figure out what you like, what you don't like or what's missing. 
you know, as we are continuing to, to try to understand and, um, and kind of engage with younger audience, younger diverse audiences, you know, that is really interesting, um, and valuable information for us, right? We want to know what you, um, want to see and hear and may not be, um, and, you know, think critically about how your passions or your skill sets or the things that you went to school for, how those might apply there too. You know, for example, if you love to be a game developer and you are consuming our content, maybe you can come up with an idea of how we can marry those two things. Maybe there's a public media, Connecticut public story that you can, you know, develop into a game. And, and those are the types of ideas that we're excited about and want to test and, and pursue. Um, the second thing I would say is follow, follow us, follow other public media groups. I know there's a public media millennials group on Facebook. Um, it's a great group, by the way. I'm a part of it. <laughs> um, there's several others, uh, PBS uh, kind of larger, um, NPR larger, and then there's also Connecticut Public, obviously Facebook and Instagram and YouTube and whatnot. But, you know, get involved. Follow us on LinkedIn. See when there's opportunities that are coming about. We are always looking for great interns. Often those interns grow into full-fledged employees and sometimes they stay with us for years. So um, we, you know, follow us, keep it keep in, in touch with us and, um, you know, keep our eye out for opportunities with us as well as other public media stations um, because we're always looking for, um, for, for new folks to, to join the, the family. Absolutely. All great advice there. And, and I want to just point out real quick, um, you know, I love that piece, you know, when you're consuming media and you're trying to pers uh, pursue a career in a specific organization and you're watching them pay attention to what they're doing, I feel like noticing what they are missing is a great way to make yourself notice. I know that's probably how I got in. I just anno annoyed the crap out of John Dankowski <laughs> with a million different ideas and maybe one of them apparently stuck. But all great advice. I want to thank our guests, Lauren Komrowski and Jake Polshko for joining us today to talk about public media in Connecticut. Thank you so much for joining me on Select CT and keep up the great work. Thank you. Thank you. Great to be here. Select CT is a podcast production of Digital Media CT in partnership with Quinnipiac University, the University of Connecticut, and the Connecticut Office of Film, Television, and Digital Media. Check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Digital Media CT. That's Digital Media underscore CT. Tell us what you think about our show. We'd love to hear from you. You can also follow me on Twitter at SavingEJ. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, and others. If you want to learn more about the digital media landscape in Connecticut, visit digitalmediact.com. The producer of Select CT is Justin Matley. Matt Warwood is our executive producer. Our marketing coordinator is Marvin Lewis. I'm David Roche. Thanks so much for listening. Now get out there and make some media. Select CT.